Suspecting crew begin a battle that will turn the heavens into hell. Casper Van Dien, Erica Eleniak, Coolio, Alexandra Camp, and Tiny Lister. Dracula 3000. Hello and welcome to another episode of It Came From The Bottom. Once again brought to you by Head Games Entertainment, your ultimate source for digital series, podcasts, and more. Once again, I'm Jack. I'm Zip. I'm Adina. And hey guys, we got a guest. Yay! Yay! Please welcome today's guest, Audra Peterson. Hello! Yay! Yeah. yeah, we're trying to get more guests on for this season, everybody. And, uh, of course, you know, we, we had a, a, a great pick for this week, and we were like, you know what, we need to get Audra on here. So, how are you doing today, Audra? Doing good, doing good. How are you? Well, I mean, I saw Dracula 3000, but... There's that. <laughs> So yeah, t- this this uh, this episode's film is Dracula 3000 from the year 2000. I'm sorry, could you say that oh, again, God, Jack? I, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I didn't mean to say it that time. I, I I spent most of yesterday just going Dracula, Dracula, <laughs> just hoping, hoping it would stick. But hey, fuck it. I am who I am. Yes, Dracula 3000. Yuck, yuck. Uh, but which, by the way not sequel to dracula 2000 that is anybody else in that movie with uh gerard mm-hmm. butler and johnny yeah. lee miller yeah yeah oh uh, really and christopher Plummer plays van helsing yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it wasn't a good movie but you know it was one of those mindless fun movies the popcorn right. movies that right i mean i think i've actually got it on dvd honestly i used to i actually i had it on vhs i think <laughs> <laughs> This movie, though, despite its title, is not a sequel, as it might have you think. It just is, um, it's it's like the director just said, hey, I, w- I liked that Jason X movie. Let's make one with Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> so, that being said, had anybody else seen this film before? No. No. <laughs> okay, well, hey, there you go. I'm shocked. So, uh, Zip, do we have the IMDb description for this movie? Uh, we sure do. Um, there's actually three entries... But my favorite is the first one that was submitted by Anonymous, which uh, states, 
Count Dracula terrorizes the crew of a spaceship. <laughs> I I can't disagree with that. They're not wrong. <laughs> it's true. Um, the other two uh, entries are very detailed, um, and I don't know why. So I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Fair enough. All right. Well. <laughs> Beyond that, any opening thoughts of this film? Again, like I know we hadn't seen it or anything, but it's funny to me because you know, again, the poster looks like more effort went into the poster of this movie than the actual film itself because it's very clearly low budget. But in addition to that, and again, this is just because of how it ended up coming out. But the the file that I shared with you all, the the thumbnail of the the really horrible <laughs> makeup, like every time I opened, it, I'm like, I just laugh my ass off every single time. <laughs> It looked like a porcelain doll more than a human, which is sad because it's an actual human in the in the thumbnail. So, right. I guess we'll just go ahead and jump straight into the plot. Let's do it. All right. So, our, our film. Okay. I also got to add real quick. By the way, um, this movie. Uh, this might be the most notes I've ever taken on a film we've covered. <laughs> really? Nine and a half pages. Holy, Holy shit! Crap. I had a lot of issues with this movie. <laughs> I, I I don't think I hated it as much as everyone here did, but it's 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 a mess. Case in point, I think half this first page is just about the credits. <laughs> oh Jesus, the credits! I thought it was gonna be like a video game with how they set up, like right, like like the first thing that comes up is Apollo Pro Media Film Production, and I, I wrote that the logo looks like something that you'd see printed on one of those off-brand uh, camera tripod bags at Best Buy. <laughs> It's just an odd design. It's followed mm-hmm. by fiction, film, and television. Just, you know, in case you wanted a reminder that Dracula 3000 isn't based on a true story. I thought this was going to be a hard-hitting documentary, but right. that, <laughs> that logo put me on the right track. And, and then we have some, some opening credit animations when we actually cycle into the, the opening itself. And it looks like presets for my movie. It's a black background overlaid with blood drops and it looks like what appears to be the like silhouette of a swirled wine glass because that conveys the tone perfectly yeah. i i also again i also got a comment on the font they use in this opening because it made me laugh because <laughs> they use all caps it's a really shitty font did anyone else misread the director's name oh i did at first yeah at, it, when it first came up Three, it's like it's three O's instead of the D. A film by Darnell James Root. Root. Whoever edited just these opening credits just did a fucked up job because it says produced by David Lancaster and then it changes slides like to the next credit, but then it just says David White. So it's like it presents it like he's an actor, but he's not. Maybe it's just a shout out. I don't know. So in the background, we also see the name Dracula like fading in and out in the background throughout it. You can barely make it out, and for a while, I'm thinking, is this how we're getting our opening title? <laughs> you good, Zip? Mm-hmm. Should I just call him Warlock? It's Adina's making yes, me laugh because I know I see her <laughs> thought appear laugh. on her no, face. Every I, it's <laughs> my fault. It's my fault. I need you saying Dracula the way you say Dracula as a ringtone for my phone. Well, hey, That's what when I this mean. episode's out, so, have, have pick your favorite. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, you're just going to have to bear with me every time you say the title of this film. It's going to be a moment. I was going to say, I, <laughs> I, I might be saying it a little bit earlier, but one of my favorite things about this movie was the fact that, you know, I went into this dreading, oh, God, they're going to laugh at me because of how I say Dracula. But 
it kind of gave me a free pass by giving me an option with the name. Because the villain has two names in this movie, as we established later on. So you might want to yep. go with the other. The, the biggest thing, though, is, that we learned during the credits is that the actual name of the film is not Dracula 3000. Right. <laughs> right. The actual title that appears... Is Monster Shark. Van Helsing, Dracula's Revenge. Right. Makes perfect sense. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I, I that's the thing about IMDb because you know, it's not our first film that we've had to cover where it's it, we're given a different title in the actual film than what's listed on IMDb. And honestly, spoiler, our next sure. film has the same problem, which we'll get to. But yeah, again, same thing as Monster Shark, aka Devilfish. It's 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 mm-hmm. alternate title, and I. I I don't know which title do you think works better. I feel like Dracula 3000 makes more sense, but again, the problem with that is is that it came out only a couple of years after the last the 2000 movie and it sets it up like it's a right. sequel and again when they are not canonically connected. Which is insane because Dracula 2000 has actual sequels. Sure. Which are numbered completely different. So is this movie's like would you all th- say that this movie's title, the one we actually get in the film itself is a better title for this film? Because he's no, also not really getting so. revenge. No, he's he's not getting revenge, and it's well. Uh, no, actually, he does get revenge. It wasn't really well. The, okay, we'll get to that, but the Van Helsing thing comes so late. It just it's yeah. just dumb. It's so dumb. This movie sucks. So so we uh, we do have a, also a couple things we see just before the title happens. We see an actor uh, Udo Kier. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He's done some stuff. You've all seen him in various yes. projects. Yeah. I guess you could, this guy is like the pro social distancer because he's recording all of his scenes from like this one room, I guess, on his back porch that they had him shoot for like <laughs> the entire four hour day they called him in for. Throughout the film, the way it's framed, for some reason, it keeps cutting back to him doing like these vlog style things. And whenever it does, you can clearly see the actor reading his lines off camera. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're just monologuing in front of a camera, why not? Why not? Have the script why in front not, of yeah. yeah, but, you know, maybe get comfortable enough to where it doesn't look like a cold read. I mean, this looks like an audition tape that he submitted. <laughs> but the, the the first one of him, it shows him panicked, uh, you know, sweating bullets. Uh, he's counting down. Rather, we hear this countdown in the background saying, you know, self-destruct sequence, and then it gets interrupted. And then he just goes, no. And then we get our title. And then we cut to the Nostromo. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the uh, Mother 3. <laughs> the, the Salvager ship, which I love this. The, the title card says 50 years later. Uh, seeing as like interplanetary space travel is the norm, I, I kind of think that's irrelevant. Fair. We have this opening voiceover from Abraham Van Helsing, which can you call him our lead? Like, does this movie even have a technical lead? Uh, he's get, he gets top billing, but he's Casper uh, Van Dien plays I him. He's not in the movie all that much. A lead. I mean, the movie technically doesn't have an antagonist either, if you really think about it. Yeah, and Tiny Lister actually has most of the words. Right. Yeah. It's 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 very strange. I mean, I guess maybe you could say he and Aurora are the leads, but again, still, it's a stretch. We get our opening voiceover with him where he introduces himself, and we see this almost like uh, choose your character video game title video card game. That pops up. <laughs> right. And it's it shows like this dossier information essentially, and, and first of all, I, I said, is that even his photo? Because it didn't look like it. Yeah, it didn't look like any. Of yeah, it, no. Mm-mm. It says that he, it says that he's special forces from twenty nine eighty nine to twenty nine ninety seven, but that he was discharged in twenty nine ninety two. Like again, how do you how do you fuck that up? Mm. Like how how is that possible? 
so he's he's establishing that he's the captain of this vessel called the Mother Three, and he learns that there's this lost vessel called the Demeter out in the Carpathian system that seems to be headed for Earth. He's he's received a tip from a friend of his. And who's he talking to? Okay, because it's not really a captain's log. It's as if he's talking to the audience. Oh, sure. It's framed to be a captain's log, but it's not addressing it as you would in something like Star Trek. Right, which comes up later because of the actual captain's log that is happening mm. somehow. But it, it's I I, I was at, I was like what who who are you talking to, Casper? <laughs> I mean, I like you and all, but I don't know who the fuck you're talking to. That's the problem. Like, yeah, we don't know who he's talking to. And, and on the flip side, when you see that the the uh, the other captain of the ship, I can't remember what his name was, the one who does the vlogs, we don't know who's listening. So yeah, it's it's a very strange directional choice with this. He establishes that he's received an anonymous tip from his friends at I guess the equivalent of the Federation in this universe. And they've said that, hey, yeah, there's this lost vessel, and it's somehow headed for Earth, even though it's been lost for 50 years. And so he and his group of scavengers, they make it their mission to basically go out to it before it gets intercepted by the, the feds, essentially, and then try to see if there's any cool shit on it. But the problem with that is, initially, is just that if, if you're showing a, a lost spaceship is now found, and it's moving with a trajectory towards Earth... Wouldn't that establish there's still probably some kind of intelligent life on board that's getting it there? What about this opening narrative like suggests that it's vacant, it's abandoned? The script. Well, yes. <laughs> so we meet our next uh, crew member, Arthur, a.k.a. the professor. His thing is that he's apparently cocky about how smart he is. Arthur, you look like you have thoughts. That was just my favorite trope of like having the professor who's also English to show how superior he is. Yes, and everything but walking. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> hey, the, you know what? The movie made a point to show that that was like his thing. Like that was his Achilles heel, pardon the pun. Like he's 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 good up here, but not so much down there. Yeah, but did you see right. his damn wheelchair? You'd think that in thousands of years of technology <laughs> that they'd have a better fucking wheelchair. Or, or not a wheelchair. Right, or thank you. Or the fact that, that he has fucking eyeglasses, even though it's, again, the year 3000. <laughs> right. That's that's yeah. why you. There's I mean, only I mean, even... so much like tin foil they can put on things before it just gets <laughs> trashy. Well, that's the problem. They don't put tin foil on anything in this movie. The clothes, <laughs> the the set design, the costumes, like all that shit. Like none of it looks like it's like futuristic at all. None of it. <laughs> no, I mean, even in the year two thousand, Professor X had a way cooler wheelchair. Right. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You know. Thank you. So we meet the next character, <laughs> Mina, the oldest intern. Jesus. Right. Thank you, intern. Okay, so can we talk about <laughs> her for a second? Intern. Okay, so I'm thinking, you know, she's like 16, 17, 18, whatever. And that little, like, video game thing makes her look younger, too. Mm-hmm. Right? So she's got pigtails. So are we supposed to believe that she's 20? Are we really Is supposed to believe she's younger than other people? <laughs> Thank you. Right? To say, the professor so. calls her little sister a couple times as a nickname, and it just no. Also, the only time he calls her that ever. What? Right. Who would you say, just out of curiosity, do you think is probably the oldest cat, like of the of the crew? Probably Tiny. Yeah, yeah. I'd say her or Tiny. Of the crew, yes. Tiny is the oldest. Our next up is uh, uh, Reginald Humvee, aka the Muscle, who I was. Sure, the entire movie was Adina's hobo in a barn. Oh, nope. 
<laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> and yep. you know why? Because he's <laughs> No, I'm I'm being sarcastic. I like almost every yeah. line I'm like, oh Adina is just pissed right now. <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't get seriously angry until very much towards the end. Yeah. So I was able to let a lot of this slide until we got to the end of this goddamn movie and then shit got real. Yeah, and, and also, I do want to add, he also, again, this, he's played by uh, Tony Lister, who a lot of you have seen before. He was in The Dark Knight. He was in The Fifth Element, similar to the captain from earlier, character actor. You've seen him in a lot of stuff. Next up, we meet 187, played by Coolio, who is, oh, so oh he's a pothead, I, I think. I think yeah, he likes really. the ganj. Uh, and he's supposedly the cargo specialist, and... Again, the movie goes out of its way so many times to establish that, yes, he likes drugs. Then we meet our last member of the crew, Aurora, who is the vice captain. And she's apparently new to the job, but she keeps to herself. Played by Erica Eleniak. Yes. Yes. Again, also, she's also done some stuff as well. Who was that brought up Mina entering the ship? (laughs) Me. Yes, okay. Audra, would you like to take a shot at uh, what the hell Mina was wearing? I just am wondering why they tried so hard to make her look so young instead of just casting someone young. Right. <laughs> like, let's put her in pigtails, a skirt, tights, and she's young. Pigtails. <laughs> it's so strange. Pigtails. Right. <laughs> right. And then also, is she wearing a goddamn snorkel? Yes, that's what I wrote down. Okay, but like, why was that the headset and not something 187 was smoking out of? Right. I'm pretty sure at this point in my life, I've smoked out of something that looks like that snorkel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was wearing a snorkel and a gas mask. uh, And that was what they made it look like, like a space helmet. It was the most advanced piece of like equipment they had right it's ridiculous and all the while we we have this shot of the professor and abe scanning the ship and this is one of the first shots you see of any people in the movie like aside from again the vlog stuff and it's a super extreme close-up of the professor in full focus in the front and then you also see van helsing in the back but again it's like you don't even see their entire face in the shot it's this very strange introduction for these characters because again it's it's wandering around their faces a little bit we have no sense of what their surroundings are. We have no sense of, like, again, this is where you could say, like, hey, like, look at the cockpit they're in, whatever it may be. I mean, the reason, I guess, is because they didn't have a cockpit built because there's maybe four set pieces they have in this entire movie. The entire time, I'm just wondering <laughs> what they're hiding. Like, was Casper wearing a Breaking Benjamin shirt on set that day? Like, what, what are they hiding? And so, yeah, Mina, Mina enters the ship and, of course, make the intern do it, right? I, I got to ask here, though, because we've established this is, yeah. this is an operation that is not legal. They're basically scavenging a ship that essentially the Federation is is headed to collect themselves. They're pirates. What kind of college credit or work experience is this intern hoping to get by (laughs) taking part in an illegal scavenging mission? (laughs) Not a clue. I mean, a lot of us have done intern work before. I I don't know how this is going to help her out in her career beyond just being like, hey, like, I want to be a criminal. (laughs) Right. Audra, have you ever interned as a drug dealer before? It's really fun. It's real fun. You'll... You won't be paid, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Think of the get, exposure. Get... Think of the things that you'll <laughs> shove up your ass. Then <laughs> <laughs> we get this another, again, another weird vlog cut of the captain of the Demeter talking about quarantining, which I'm like, fuck. 
my question is most importantly what if the captain needs a haircut he's quarantined himself in like his cockpit and that's again all of his dialogue back and forth is about that and how the crew is infected and how this and that but again I, I get what they're trying to establish with this i guess a sense of dread but again we have no idea who's watching this and we have right. one scene later in the film where, where a character catches a piece of one of these vlogs but up until that point, it's just it just cuts to this random guy, this random video footage that no other characters in the actual story are watching. Which is in the past. Right. Right? Recorded 50 years ago. This is important for the end. <laughs> so, meanwhile, again, as we established, the intern is scanning the hallway for, I guess, signs of life? Because they didn't detect any on, uh, from, the, uh, from the cockpit of the Mother 3. But we have this shadow that passes by the camera. And I got to ask, and based on what we know of the film in, in hindsight, what was that? Not a clue. We we see it ten fucking times, but yeah. right, and it, something <laughs> ends up chasing Mina. But we establish she is the first right. person to enter the ship, so it could not be another crew member. So we see again a physical object pass mm-hmm. by the camera, and again I get what they're doing. It's hey, scary, right. spooky, wahaha. But Humvee, the crew member, grabs her, and uh, yay. I mean, he's he's a dick. That's his character oh trait in this movie, for the most part. But they all are. That that's yeah. They're all. And, yeah, and that's no, there's, a, there's, a huge issue with the with the structure of this film is is that every time we pair characters off in different scenes, it's always one being a complete asshole to the other one, and it doesn't matter who it is. It's almost circular in that it's okay. Well, the the captain's going to talk this way to the professor. And now the professor's going to talk this way to Humvee. And now the Humvee's going to talk this way to the intern. Uh, you know, it's like it just every Mina. single yes. scene in a row is the same setup instead of mm-hmm. actual character development. They are all assholes to each other. I don't know how they've survived in space this long without killing each other yet. The rest of the crew shows up in the ship after she's cornered, and she, and she says that she got lost, but why did she say that? I mean, if she's scanning the ship, isn't it her job to report any commotion? So if she thought she saw something move, which we established she did, why isn't she bringing that up? They're trying to keep the, the, the running gag that she's the navigator, but she's always lost. That's all it is. Right, but, and I get that to an extent, but again, it's, she's not doing her job, essentially. Oh, I didn't say it made sense. So that's that's what they're doing. That's that's the running gag from the beginning in the initial voiceover when you see the video game character profile screen. Um, that's what they say. She's the navigator, but she never knows where she's going. So they're just trying to keep that joke rolling, and and it steamrolls past plot development. Speaking of decisions that don't make sense, they take their masks off because I guess they decide it's okay. And she even comments that it smells like ass on the right. ship. So. I mean, again, we hired a bunch of pretty people. We need to get them to show their faces. I understand that mentality. But again, it's I was hoping for a better reason. Just be like, uh, it might be all right. Because as soon as she takes her mask off, by the way, like fucking Humvee just grabs her, just like, you know, force kisses her. Is that a joke? Is it just to make us feel sorry for her? Is it to make Humvee look like a dick? Author- I don't know. It's all of those things. Because I wrote that down. I wrote sexual harassment much. And then, yeah. and then this just becomes a thing for him throughout the whole movie yeah because his his response to that after the you know he he kisses her she rejects him or pushes him away or whatever isn't his response something like i'm never going to get laid out here right right yeah Yeah. and it's like and he says it with sincerity it's not like ironic or sarcastic it's 
Uh, He's okay. like sincere uh, about it. Speaking of likable characters, we meet 187. I guess the film's demographic because he's in his room getting high. Can we talk about his room? How he sleeps on a park bench? <laughs> a modern ass park bench. It's like from like a shopping mall. And there was like, wasn't there a surfboard against the wall too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not even like mounted. So he just like, what does he do with it? It's just like propped against the wall. Is he like Jeff Spicoli of space? That'd be fantastic. I'd be all over that shit. I like how this is the second podcast in a row where we've brought up Jeff Spicoli. (laughs) (laughs) Not even the bong is futuristic looking. Again, nothing in this room is futuristic at all. The the first thing I thought of when I saw him (laughs) was Firefly. And I thought, is he the concubine? (laughs) That's what I thought his role was. First. That would be interesting. No, that would, that would be creative world building. <laughs> Next up, the entire crew just starts searching the ship. And we need to establish, this is a big fucking ship. Huge. Right. It's not Spaceball 1 big, but it's like Star Destroyer big, yes, I'd say. I would agree with that. Uh, we have more vlog cutaways. Again, where this, again, the captain, the, the previous captain of the ship, he's describing, again, piece by piece, step by step, what's happening with the infected of the cargo they picked up, etc., etc. And he's describing what they're doing and how, like, some of them are acting strange and they've quarantined them off and whatever. But none of his descriptions for the quote-unquote infected re- reflect the behavior of the vampires we see throughout the film. So that seemed kind of strange. It's almost like these this, this vlog stuff was from a different script. Mm-hmm. Right. Which maybe it was. I right. don't know. Mina establishes that she wants to leave. She's that one member of the group who says, guys, I don't think this is a good idea. We should just go home. But the group keeps searching. The group then finds a dead body in a chair. Can we talk about how long that dead body's hair is? <laughs> right? <laughs> Wait, does does your hair continue to grow? Supposedly. Yes. Is, is that true? Or is that just a myth? Hair and nails supposedly keep growing after death, but... They don't keep growing but... after death. Your skin dehydrates. And so it gives the appearance of them growing. Yeah, but even if it did, it wouldn't be that long. That long. (laughs) And this prop itself was just garbage. Like, the skin looked like plastic. Oh, this was was completely (laughs) one of those foam dubbies you get at one of those pop-up Halloween stores. Oh, absolutely. And again, I, I can't help but wonder, in the grand scheme of the plot, what's the point of this thing even being here? Because they established the thing as having tied itself to the chair, which, number one, how does it do that? Right. And again, for, for what purpose? Like, why did it tie itself to a chair? Well, it's the old captain, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. But why would he tie himself to a chair? And how did he tie himself to a chair? Well, the script said also, so, Jack. He's made it painfully clear that he has quarantined himself in his quarters. Right. Right. How did he end up tied to a chair out in the on the bridge? Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a big fucking room. And he's holding a crucifix. So again, he's not... He can't be a vampire, and the vampires wouldn't tie him up. So it's the fact that they they there's a lot of stupid shit that happens, but a lot of it seems like it's intentionally stupid, but not for the sake of entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they could have just had him be a corpse in a chair, like a one-eyed willy thing, and that'd be it. But no, right. they chose to say, like, hey, he tied himself up without answering well, there how were a or lot why. Of things that, right. There were a lot of things, though, like Coolio's character seemed to be the comic relief and i was like it what kind of movie are we in here did it want to be serious did it want to be funny and then it was just stupid a lot of the time and it had no idea what it wanted to be i say definitely wasn't scary at any point for me like i'm trying to think like what the scariest part of the movie was if you had to pick one 
if you maybe the shadow in front of the camera if you take the um, wait what'd you say audra you know that was the scariest part is how the men talk to the women thank you that's the scariest (laughs) part (laughs) what were you gonna say (laughs) no i was just gonna say if if you take away the vampire aspect of the story this was trying to be an alien ripoff Oh, mm-hmm. because yeah. the crew setup is exactly the same. You know, Humvee and 187 were almost carbon copies of uh, Yafet Kodo and Harry Dean Stanton's characters in the original Alien. Right, right. But see, Zip, this is movie. This is more clever than Alien because they also have names from the original book as characters in this movie, even oh, yeah. though the ca- the book counterparts <laughs> don't do the same things in the plot. No, no, Mina. <laughs> is not like Mina from the original story. Right. So it's not only um, intelligent, but it's subversive. Right. But it but it is that it is Transylvania in the Carpathians because space. <laughs> One of the biggest head scratchers for me in terms of dialogue came during this exchange around oh the dead God. body because they're talking about the crucifix. Uh, yeah, I think you know where I'm going. Oh, <laughs> they're talking about the crucifix, and they're saying like, "Oh, these things were uh, banned. These things became illegal 50 years ago." Which, I guess, quick sidebar: everything in this movie, like apparently 50 years ago, like was like the biggest turning point in history because every time something gets referenced mm-hmm. in the past, it was always something that happened 50 years ago. Right. Oh yeah, wasn't like the the smoking like legalized 50 years earlier too? Yes. Right. So Christianity was outlawed, and smoking was legalized. And dogs and cats were living together. Mass hysteria, yeah. I mean, yeah, they say that crucifixes became illegal, so I assume by extension the Christian faith is now an illegal Which act. is extremely uh, funny when you uh, when you realize that the spaceship that they're on is Russian. Right, because they showed the hammer and sickle. The hammer and sickle, exactly. Yeah. It's like, wait, this is a communist ship? Then why do they have crucifixes? They they mention the crucifixes and they talk about how uh, you know like I think one eight seven mentions that he had an aunt that believed in God or something at one point, and then the scene ends with them splitting and then Aurora goes up to Van Helsing and says, "Hey, who's God? Just put a pin in that. Yep, for yeah. later. <laughs> so we get more vlogs, yay. Which I had a note on this because they're they're positing that a lot of time has passed between these vlogs that he's putting out there, at least a couple days, I assume. But again. The actor looks the exact same in all the shots. Like, maybe he might have like a little bit of sweat in one shot, but his hair is the same <laughs> length. He's not disheveled. He doesn't. He's not dirtied up at all. He doesn't look like a guy who's been quarantined inside the no. bridge for months on end. No, not it's, at it's all. very strange. No. So their plan now, the crew, is to basically tow this giant vessel back to Earth to sell, and it, they estimate like 15 million bullshit credits, whatever it may be. And that's like, oh, my God, what a score. We need to get this thing back there. That's their motivation. It seems I have a lot of problems with this because because they established that they're basically scavenging this thing illegally before the Federation can come and take it over themselves. And, and Aurora's character even mentions that, like, it's illegal for them to, like, touch the body because the, the Federation will know that someone's been there before. They're taking their chances by trying to loot a ship in the middle of nowhere. Instead, they decide to tow the entire thing back to sell do you see what i'm getting at with this like i i i, I don't understand like where the laws begin and end in this case no absolutely there was some random throwaway line that i think was supposed to cover this which was as long as they lay claim to it first 
it's theirs to do whatever with. Well, then that begs the question, if, if they're able to sell it and still do so legally, then why are they treating this like it's an illegal operation? That's, I don't know. That's, that, <laughs> that's I didn't that's understand the problem. that <laughs> Yeah. While they're planning this, 187 and, and uh, Humvee, they decide to depart to look for, as 187 says, pot. Like, hey, he says, like, there might be some illegal marijuana on here because 50 years ago they used to ship this stuff around all the time. So they decide to look for marijuana on a ship that's been out of commission for 50 years. Yep. Priorities. That'll be some dank weed. <laughs> I mean, that would be my priority, but... <laughs> But well, I I understand that. But on the flip side of that, Audra, if, if weed is legal now, if weed is now legal, why is one eight seven so obsessed with finding it? I mean, how, okay, so, hey, you guys know what I could really go for right now? Some motherfucking Sprite. Like, see, it's like the entire movie around marijuana. He acts like sixteen year old friend of yours that smokes for the first time, and like everything is pot. Like in his defense. <laughs> He was just trying to live his best life. Right. He smokes pot all the time. So, you know, he's just trying to find the best pot all the time. You know, trying to give pops, props to the pot growers, really. And, like, you know, you never know how his stash level is if it's low. Right. <laughs> he's got to stock up, Jack. I don't know why you got to be dissing on 187 like this. I don't know. I don't think it's about that it's illegal or legal. It's about that it is something he loves to do all the I'm time. Just lie, I get that. Man. I mean, I okay, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> the professor then finds out that the Demeter is separating from Mother 3. Right. Somehow. Yes. Why isn't the professor able to stop it? How is this an ability like that the vampires supposedly have as we established that they're doing? And why wouldn't the vampires want a more functional spacecraft to begin with? They established that the Demeter is essentially like drifting towards Earth, more or less. So if, I, if I'm Dracula, I'd be like, all right, well, this ship is clearly working. It is fully fueled and ready to go back. So why don't we just hop on that, kill these bitches, get some free blood, cool, maybe a little bit of weed if they have some. I don't know if vampires are into that. This movie doesn't either. And then fucking go back to Earth like at a quicker pace. Instead, apparently, like, you know, Dracula can, like, hack a spaceship. He can out-hack this professor is, like, I literally wrote that down. Why can he out-hack the professor? Yeah, remotely, apparently, too. Because as far as we know, he's in a fucking coffin right now. Speaking of, 187 and Humvee, they stumble upon this room full of coffins. Again, one of the four set pieces in this movie. <laughs> because these these red coffins are all lined up, missed coming out of nowhere which i guess return to ape alien why do vampires need coffins when space is exclusively night or daytime that's a great question and, and they never address that like it, it's part the sunlight aspect is like what helps them quote unquote save the day but again <laughs> if you're in space and there's like any light in any direction you look outside of a window which again i don't think we even see windows in this movie like why do you need a coffin <laughs> because they're vampires jack <laughs> so 187 he basically takes a crowbar and breaks into one of the coffins saying, hey, no, they probably are holding drugs in this thing. And he opens the first one and he, and he fumbles it because he supposedly cuts his hand open. And I say supposedly because we don't actually see any blood when he does so. He just goes, oh man, that shit's pretty deep. It's pretty bad. Just like while cupping it away from the camera. And then he immediately responds with this like, again, supposedly deep gashed hand by putting his hand in the fucking like dusty coffin that he just unearthed 
And and he reveals, by the way, that all that's in there is is just like sand. COVID nineteen would have a field day with this crew. <laughs> they open another one because Humvee gets impatient, so he just fucking like stomps one in. And again, they find the same thing. And so again, for some reason, one eight seven still convinced that there must be drugs in one of these coffins because they have about eleven more. And, and then fucking Mina shows up and she's like, "What are you guys doing? Have some more respect for the dead." Even though they just established that it's sand in the coffins, so I don't know what prompted her to say that. But again, you all know where this is going because the scene cuts when Humvee splits with Mina and then 187 stays behind again committed to finding whatever the fuck is in the rest of these coffins. And you see some blood drip from his hand into one of the coffins and it starts doing this weird effect thing. Which again, is, is that implying that his blood resurrected whatever that sand was supposed to be? Like, is that dehydrated vampire? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I thought too. But <laughs> but then, like, what what the what the fuck is the I mean, sand doing? Did they then? did they disintegrate? I mean, that's the thing because from the mythology of vampires that I know, they don't lay in the sand. They might disintegrate into dust, and so that's what I figured they right. were. And when that effect started, I thought, oh, one of these vampires is going to get resurrected. Well, that doesn't happen. First, I thought it was the vampire lore where, you know, they put their own soil in their coffins. That's the reason they have them to begin with in the, in sure. the original novel, because, you know, they're, they're resting on their own surface. But last I checked, Transylvania, wherever the fuck it is, wasn't on a fucking beach. Yeah. So, Dumb. Uh, meanwhile, Van Helsing, he finds another crucifix. Actually, he finds a whole room full of crucifixes. And that's where we actually get establishment of the V-Log, because then he, like, hits a button that we don't see, and then just cuts to, again, a cutaway to the V-Log where he's just talking about... And that's the captain's quarters. Right. Which, why isn't he in there? Exactly. And, and the captain, I guess, finally gives us something of an explanation. He talks about how they went to the Carpathian system to this place called, I guess, a planet called Transylvania, where they were hired to pick up this, this batch of cargo for a crazy price they couldn't resist. And I love, by the way, how the one vampire planet out there just happens to be in our Carpathian system and called Transylvania. Small universe, huh? Of course. But it's interrupted because they hear 187 scream. They run to get him and they find him freaking out on the floor with, I guess, his like fucking tibia broken and sticking out of his leg. Which I guess they were proud of that shot, the makeup department, because hot, hot damn, they focused on it for a long time and it wasn't all that great. <laughs> It didn't even look like it was bleeding. It just looked gooey. I couldn't even tell what it was at first. Right. Right. And, and, yeah, and, yeah it oh just my God. gooey. It was like they stuck something was... in goo. Right. It it's was like sticking shiny. out at such an odd angle. Yeah. And, and Zip, I, right. please tell me that Amber saw this scene because Hubby just picks him up. <laughs> he just picks him up. He just he just picks him up like like a rag, like a baby <laughs> and like just like runs off of him. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, hey, like, let's leave him and get like a stretcher or like stabilize it. No, just fucking pick him up. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll walk it off, or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. We we got a wheelchair. Should the worst no, happen? Can we talk about what they put him on? Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the rec room, <laughs> there's a goddamn pool table. It's the year three thousand. Well, this is this is their sh- this is and the, the best they can do in that pool? rec room. Adina, Adina, please, please. I I, I got I to gotta nitpick you for a second. It's actually the year 2950. Because it's, it's a 50-year-old ship, so that, that it makes sense now. For there to be what? a pool table. It makes sense that there's a contemporary pool table because it took place Perfect. 50 so, years I just, before I was 3000. Like, really? There's... Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we, we can get into... So wait, let, they're let's in fucking... 2950 right now? Because they actually make that point in the scene. 
the ship is from twenty. Right, the ship is from twenty nine fifty. So everything inside of it is fifty years old. <laughs> this rec room is in so much of the fucking movie, and the things they put in it are. I'm just. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's bizarre. There is um, juice and wine. There's a water cooler. There's like an office water cooler. You guys, there is juice in the rec room. And supposedly this ship has been sailing unmanned, right? For 50 years. Right. And there's orange juice. Fuck you. Yes. And and there's a pool table. I'm pretty sure I saw it. 2950 orange juice. Right. Thank you, Zip. That's a great distinction. The good stuff. Back when wood was real. Oh, my God. (laughs) God, Yeah. What else is in there? Hold on. I I wrote this down. There's a ton of weird shit in this room. There's a snow globe. There's a fucking grill. There are like modern ass lockers. There's a water cooler, and and I have to I have to give them some credit. There is one futuristic thing they actually made for this movie. Did you guys notice the alien helmets? It, it was it was hard to see, but no. uh, yeah. Okay, Audra saw it. Okay, now check this out. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna screen share with you. <laughs> oh my god! Like, what is that? Seriously, what is that? I have no idea. <laughs> It's ridiculous and that. stupid. Really what is that? I got a better shot for you. <laughs> oh my god, seriously, look at that. Wow. I did not see those. What the hell? <laughs> Why is that? I think I had to take a serious <laughs> pause after this. Again, like, you could have put whatever money you had to make that towards a pool table. No. <laughs> Oh, and there was also an old CRT television in the corner with a VCR sitting on top of it. Yes. A VCR from 2950. They made a comeback, Zip, just like record players. Record players never went away. So, yeah, the rec room's fantastic. We, we have this next scene, okay, because they have him laid on the table, 187. They're checking him out. Meanwhile, Aurora and, and Van Helsing have this, can you call it a flirtation scene? Because she walks up and she gets kind of close to his face and she just kind of looks up and he's like, how's he doing? She's like, eh, it looks like it's going to be fine. And then fucking Mina walks in. She's like, hey, I know what you guys are up to. It's like, what are they up to? What? Yeah, and it was just, weird when they first come together it does feel like there's some level of intimacy about to happen, but then it's completely destroyed and we right. never get a moment like that no, again. No, they don't ever. actually start the intimacy dialogue. It's just they make a face at each other, but that's the most we get out of it. And again, this secondary character comes in and infers that there was something going on when we have nothing to establish that there's any legitimacy right. to that. Right, but then immediately follows it up with, if there's something going on, we need to know. Right, but they just said his leg was fine. But I'm like, that's that's not what we're talking about. No, I don't. exactly. Because <laughs> we cut back to 187, and they're talking about how they've discovered bite marks in his neck, and I, I had to write this down. They call it the incisors that did it. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. But the, the last I checked, the canines are the, are the fucking fangs that vampires use. So, again... I also laugh my ass off because they they show his eyes kind of rolling back a little bit and 
the vampires in this movie they're established <laughs> as having like these really terrible contacts but when his eyes roll back you can see that he clearly has contacts because you see the outline of it on his eyes like when he, <laughs> when, he, when he first rolls it back and then he actually opens his eyes and he has like these big like fucking twenty dollar party city like red bright red contacts on that's that's the most they went with for his vampire design beyond the teeth yay so 187 attacks and i gotta say these these double shots they're, they're fucking killing me because they'll show like him jump at somebody but then <laughs> jump again but just with the frame rate slowed and it happens so fucking much in the movie aurora by the way she shows up with a gun so uh and, and i love how she holds it by the way like I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie guys i'm gonna be kind of mean with a lot of my comments towards this actress just because her performance with this was garbage to your point, Adina, she didn't know what movie she was in. This character being Aurora. Did any of them? Well, I mean, yes. But Aurora, like, she read all of her lines like she was on a sitcom. Not even, like, a, a goofy stoner comedy, like, a sitcom. Like, again, she holds her gun like it weighs, like, two pounds. And maybe it did. But that's, again, especially when you reveal what she actually is later on. This character is written to be a character of authority and strength. But she's just as cowardly as Mina's characters. Yep. So, yeah, she shows up with a gun. And she and... 187 have this weird standoff where he starts again sexually harassing her that whole counting gag that was pretty bad Jesus <laughs> yeah has one of my worst lines Same. zip that, that was the part yeah. that zip was i correct was that's the part that like when i was watching this the first time i was like this had to be where zip like lost it nope really nope. <laughs> uh, when they got to five i was like are you fucking kidding me i, I was i was probably in and out of reality at that point because <laughs> my mind was just numb fair enough did did anybody notice that when she shot him the the gun made laser tag sounds no <laughs> it, it made bullet sounds but like you hear like pew, 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 like also overlaid over the bullet sounds really like that was a, well, I, I mean it wasn't as loud but I guess to their credit, they're trying to make it sound like a futuristic gun, even though it's clearly a modern ass gun. <laughs> right, because that was one of the things I wrote down. I was like, it's the year 3000. We are travelers in space, but we're still carrying a regular handgun. <laughs> because that's, right. that's all the captain has. The captain has just a regular fucking handgun. They might as well have a fucking musket. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. no difference. But again, I guess they try to make up for it by like putting like a slight pew 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 over the actual bullet sound of the gun. Jeez. But when that proves ineffective, she just fucking runs away. Humvee, by the way, who's been off doing something. But, but what was he doing? Because it cuts back to him. He's just like bending over like this control panel with like wire sticking out of it and just playing around. And then he stands up because he hears something. But what was he doing? I have no idea because they established that he is all brawn, no, no brain boy why are you touching any wires what are you rewiring they all split and then it cuts the scene of 187 what is he saying at this point he's just like speaking what sounds like french and then making strange like <laughs> noises like golem sounds yep. like i guess he's trying to be yeah, funny some, but some like, sort of some sort of incantation or something is all i could figure and that's that's possible yeah. but again i gotta ask why don't we hear any other characters to get turned into vampires doing this in the film. So I had a lot of thoughts on this one, actually. <laughs> um, Fire away. So I watched, I ended up watching this movie twice because I just needed to realize what I was actually living through. Sorry. And I had a thought that maybe he was trying to be very like Renfield esque. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, that's a, that's a that. really good point. I didn't think about Renfield. Um, 
And so, like, if you think about it, watching it, it makes a little more sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes a little more sense. But, yeah. Right. Well, he does call him Master. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Audra, you are spot on. Points to Audra. Yeah, that's that's actually, that actually holds up. Because that's, like, one of the major characters from the original source material that, like, you could argue wasn't directly named in this film. So, okay. Right. Hey, points. Yep. Nice. But this is where we yes, actually Audra. we actually meet Dracula in this scene because uh, which we meet who? Excuse me, sorry, Orlock. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. Th- this is my favorite part of the entire fucking movie because uh, <laughs> you have this like you have this wide shot of the coffin room and he's walking, making those like weird golem sounds, the Renfield shit, and then it cuts to like this shadow in the foreground of again our our, our main villain Orlock his silhouette and then it, it, way in the background uh fucking 187 looks up he goes you know master and then he runs over he hops on one of the coffins the actor fucked up because you see him hop suddenly to the next coffin over because he realized he wasn't in the shot <laughs> so like he he hops in the first coffin but realized that he was out of the frame by dracula's character and so he just hops the next one over because he realized he fucked up because he looks down it's an outtake and they left it <laughs> Wow. Like I, 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 I had to pause it. I could not stop laughing at this. <laughs> Let's talk about Dracula. And his like so... party city vampire costume. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Can I just my, my my girlfriend and I like when we were talking when we were watching this movie we were just doing nothing but like listing off things this actor looked like. Uh, may I read a couple highlights? Yes. Please. All right, so he looks like a community theater actor that you know who goes to the local karaoke bar every weekend and sings only music of the night. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like one of those actors who probably came when they told him that he got the role. <laughs> he looks like the guy who calls the first day of rehearsal or the first day of school and then he brings snacks that his mom made. And he probably went through a phase in which he picked up cigarettes for a week and a half and smoked exclusively outside of an Aldi's parking lot in his college campus. Like, it's harsh. I mean, it's harsh. I mean, that's, but that's. And, that's the, and the bringing treats and calling it the first day of school cl- cuts a little close to home, Jack. So, I mean, I, hey, saying. I'm relating from my own personal experience, too. I get it. I'm just. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. This, this actor's having a good time with the role. I just, I think this is horrible casting. Oh, it was terrible. I mean, Dracula is supposed to be. Suave. This elegant, sophisticated, beautiful. Debonair. I mean, I looked this guy up and he's actually really good looking. He is. And he was not. His IMDb this. profile is great. And, like he oh, looks like he looks like the character yes. in his current picture. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, he's hot. Yeah, they remember they they were trying to play homage to the first Dracula movie because that's what that cape looked like. Sure. I mean he had a white face and he had the huge <laughs> collar. But I was so disappointed when we finally see him no i'm like was, yeah, yeah he just looks like some guy that i love right. like how they tried to make him sinister by by overlaying a reverbed and down-pitched voice over his in order to make right. it sound more similar right. sinister and, and so he just goes you know what is thy bidding thy master and he tells him that he just has to kill all of them that's 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 all he says to 187 <laughs> the next scene pissed me off because this is I, I think about as inconsistent in terms of character as you can probably get in this movie it's this exchange where you have Humphy and Van Helsing walking down a hallway, guns in hand, and they're talking. And then Humphy is saying all this, all these things about how nice 187 is and how he's – how because he wasn't there when he turned. 
how he's got like a heart of gold and how they shouldn't jump to conclusions and all that. And I'm thinking, no, the last fucking exchange you had together was mocking him for his drug use, picking him up off the floor, like half, like, you know, without giving a shit about injuring him further because of how he picked him up. And then there's that scene where he's actually laying on the table, 187, and he just says, no, I'm not going to help him set his legs straight. He he can just lose the leg. We have one crip on the ship. We can have another. He's done nothing up to this point except insult and berate this character, and now he's, like, sticking up for him. Out of nowhere, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so we have this next exchange where Aurora's looking around, and then she encounters Dracula because he corners her. And it's that typical seduction scene that you would imagine would be reserved for the Mina character yeah. because that's kind of the archetype that it was going for. But I, I love this. I, I, I kind of squeed a little bit in my seat because you have like a close-up shot of him like dragging his finger gauntlet over her chest. And I'm not lying, guys. It's the same fucking one. I have this ring finger gauntlet thing from like a Ren fair I went to a couple years ago. It cost me like $5. It's the exact same one. No. I, I had to pause it and zoom in to make sure. No, it's the exact same. You admitted that. No, it's it's fantastic. I'm like, wow. Again, this shows the budget. Like, I actually know how much that prop cost. And so, yeah, he's like saying, like, you know, you're very beautiful. Sorry. You're very beautiful. <laughs> and then, again, just stroking her. And then, like, he makes, like, he's going to go into bite her neck and then it cuts away. So you don't know what happened. Next, you have a scene with Professor and Mina. They're talking. Because I guess, again, the movies, it tries to establish that these two have some kind of close relationship. Not necessarily, like, as lovers, but just as, like, close friends. They've just bonded through their work. Well, he's supposed to be her mentor. Right. Yeah. And they say as much. And like you said earlier, he calls her little sister a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. But they don't really go anywhere with it. They just kind of keep it at the surface because, I mean, things happen to these two characters throughout the film, and then you don't see either of them really grieving that. So, yeah. Well, she literally opens the door, and then fucking 187 shows up and just, like, gr- tackles her and, and, you know, takes her away somewhere. And he screams, but, that's, again, we don't see any remorse from him, any grieving, nothing like that. So, again... Why establish that character dynamic if you're not actually going to do anything with it? And I remind you, this is the Mina character who just got taken out by Renfield. So Humphy and Van Helsing are now patrolling more of the hallways, and they run into Aurora, who appears fine for all intents and purposes. God, this sucked. She plays the pronoun with them in the worst way and at the worst time for absolutely no fucking reason. Because they're like, I found him. They're like, who? She just goes, him. And then they walk. They leave. (laughs) They go to the rec room where they continue the conversation, but like, what did they talk about the rest of the way there? They return to the professor, actually, not the rec room. They go back to the professor. So here we get our exposition because essentially Aurora exposits the entire thing. Like his name is Count Orlock. He's from a planet of vampires and the entire thing got wiped out. And so they're looking to move to Earth and he's the last of his kind. And that's kind of our exposition dump for the movie. And how far into this was this? Because I remember you saying, Zip, how long it took for us to even see a vampire. I think it was the 39 minutes until Coolio turned into a vampire, which is the first one you see. The only one you see, really, because the only other one you see is Orlock. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're past halfway through the film at this point. And the most we ever saw up until that point was just a shadow passed by the camera. Exactly. In the scene. So we still don't know what that was. Also, okay, I guess the biggest question I had for all this is because the whole concept behind this is, you know, you're not sure if Aurora is a vampire or not. Well, for one, if you're going off of the past, her teeth are fine, her eyes are fine, and she doesn't have bite marks in her neck. 
Right. Someone suggests that she might have bite marks elsewhere, but beyond that, they have no evidence to suggest beyond the fact they just haven't seen her in a little bit that she knows this and she encountered the head vampire. Taking this into account from what we learned later on in the film, why did Dracula let her go? Okay, well, spoiler alert. She's not a vampire. She didn't turn her. But why did he let her go? Why did he say, like, hey, here's my master plan. Now, run along. Don't know. He didn't even get, like, the villain monologuing. He was just like, this is what I'm doing. Okay, bye. That's what kills me about this, because you think a character like this, like Dracula, would have, like, that'd be a great to have him do the evil villain monologue. Like, yeah. That's kind of his shtick, more or less. Like, the again, the grandiose presentation and all that shit. But no, we gave it to one of the most uncharismatic actors in the film. They gave it to 187. What do you mean? 187 does a huge monologue right around this yeah. time. Oh, yes, yes, he does. So they, they go out into the hallway, I guess, to search some more, and Professor goes with him. Again, he's in a wheelchair. And I guess you see, from his perspective, Dracula, like, his, his back to him, running down the hallway really quickly. And all the shots you see of this vampire running, it's always, they, they drop the, the frame rate to super low, like, I think, three. The Professor sees him, and then he points when he spots him, and then just he just keeps pointing. Even after, even after Van Helsing gets him, he's like, what is it? And he just goes, still pointing, still pointing. I saw him. I think it's trying to say that the character's losing his mind because that kind of is where he culminates, but I don't know. I love this. It cuts back to the rec room where they have Aurora tied up because, again, they suspect her of being a vampire. They have her tied up with scarves. And if she's a Marley, why can't she just break the bonds? Spoilers. Oh, no, you spoiled Dracula 3000. <laughs> we haven't found that sorry. out yet. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll just I'll sorry. insert that clip of you saying Marley from that last episode. <laughs> I mean, regardless. Yeah, she is. She's t- she's tied with, like, ribbon or scarves or something. Let's say for the sake of the argument, she's a vampire. 187 has already been established as having above average strength for a human being. So why the yep. fuck would you tie her up with scarves? What do you gain by that? Like, what's that supposed to do? Oh, no. We've slowed her down a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. <laughs> so the the professor, because again, I, we got to establish, they are now trying to pilot the Demeter to get back home, essentially. He succeeds in taking control of it, so he can now navigate it in whichever direction he wants. I love this scene. I'll get to why in a second, but in this scene, it's between the professor and Van Helsing, but the two of them are essentially sitting in front of a computer they, I guess they find a wiki article detailing the vampire's <laughs> history and lists all of them. I, I fucking love this scene. This, this scene's magical. Now, so those of you who do podcasting, like involving like watching shitty movies, or if you just like want to critique a shitty movie like we do, if you ever see text in a movie, like a computer screen or a newspaper article, just pause it. Just pause it and read a little bit. You'll see how much hard work went into the making of the movie. This one article has about four dates on it. And it says, such and such vampire, such and such vampire. This year, you know, uh, I wrote down 1847, Van Helsing vampire killer is born. And these are all listed on this initial screen. Van Helsing, our captain of this crew, he's apparently looking at the screen, but he makes no mention of it. It's here that they also realize, because he, he says, like, hey, scroll ahead. I want to find out how to kill it. And that's where the professor learns that Dracula is Orlock. That's how they make that connection. It cuts back. Again, after saying that they've scrolled ahead, it shows that they're still on the same fucking page as before. So it's the same information we're seeing here. We don't even see the name Dracula or Urlock on that page. Then they discover that Van Helsing's name is on there. And then the professor even <laughs> says, Dr. Van Helsing. And it doesn't even say Dr. Van Helsing. It just says Van Helsing. 
It's like, editor, are you reading the script? Are you listening to the dialogue being spoken? <laughs> Come on, man. His mouse is literally hovering over the text of Van Helsing as he reads it. And by the way, it's the year 3000 and they have a fucking mouse. It's like a regular ass cursor. <laughs> they decide from this whole revelation that apparently Dracula must be out for revenge because, dude, your name is Van Helsing too. So maybe he wants revenge for this. All right, cool. This doesn't change our plan whatsoever. It's just assuming a motive. At one point, uh, the professor says, disenable instead of just disable. Does he really? <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, my God. Yep. And it, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about some computer system or something or whatever. But he says, disenable. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the scene with Humvee and Aurora. And again, she's like, I, you know, I have to go to the bathroom. And he says, I'm not going to fall for it. <laughs> This is so fucking frustrating. We hear this knock at the door, and it's 187, and he says, Hey, Humpy, let me in. Please, man, I'm not in a good way. Please let me in. And, and, and spoiler, it, it works. Like, Humpy opens the door. So a, a few problems with this. One, everything that Aurora's character has said to you, in spite of the fact that she doesn't have contact, in spite of the fact that she doesn't have teeth in, in spite of the fact that you don't see any visible uh, bite marks on her neck, and he's still denying this. And yet one dude comes to the door and says, hey, help a brother out. And then he lets him in. Additionally, the last fucking time that these two characters were even in the same room together was when 187 was on a fucking stretcher with his fucking tibia sticking out of his fucking leg. So he's talking to him. You hear through the door. 187 is talking through the door full height, like standing up. So there's no fucking way he should be able to stand if he's fine. I, I get that Humvee doesn't have a whole lot of brain cells rolling around up there, but like this is fucking like psychotic. Yep. And it also contradicts what Humvee does later in the movie because, I mean, spoiler alert, Humvee essentially surrenders his fear of death at the prospect of getting laid. So for him to do that at the end of the film completely contradicts him refusing to check out Aurora in more ways than one. But again, we have to have our action scenes, so... He opens the door, 187 says, I can't believe you fell for the oldest trick in the book. What's with you, man? And then they start fighting. And <laughs> I mean, really? And by the way, all the vampire fights in this, there's no actual fights really going on. Like the vampire will make like a strike. And like in every episode of Supernatural you ever saw, the character who gets hit flies across the room. And then the attacking character will just like jump up into their arms and try to bite at their neck like they're a spider monkey or some shit. <laughs> every character who gets turned tries to do that. I guess the noise alerts Van Helsing to their presence because he splits and just leaves the professor behind. 187 also says to Humvee in this scene that if he if Humvee had just helped him find some weed, this might not be happening. But, like, Humvee did help him look for weed. 187 is the one who chose to stay behind in the coffin room after they established the coffins didn't have drugs in them. So True. that line doesn't make sense. <laughs> Truth. Van Helsing shows up, and while he's shooting at 187 over and over again doing nothing Humvee goes in the back and he grabs a pool stick and just stabs him through the stomach and that kills 187 because again you see it go through his stomach it's not his heart they say right. it's supposed to be his heart but yeah it's clearly it's clearly lower yeah <laughs> and, and it's in the scene where they finally find out why Aurora hasn't been coming clean about her real alibi for not being attacked by Dracula because she says that she is something called a Proteus 4 which essentially equates to a narc android. You good, Adina? Yeah. <laughs> but so so she's basically a, a police officer robot 
sent in to infiltrate their their crew just to keep an eye on them to make sure they didn't break any laws and they're, they're, god there's so many fucking problems with this <laughs> this reveal is made at the one hour mm-hmm. mark of a movie that is only an hour and 20 minutes is this what was this where you lost it zip this was where i started to lose <laughs> Because, again, i got to ask, why did Orlock destroy her? Again, if, if you say robot cop, I'm going to think this is a force to be reckoned with. She's not, as we establish. Mm-mm. Rip her legs off. Like, leave her. Like, there's no reason to keep her alive because she's only going to work against you. This goes back to my note earlier. If she's a robot, especially with laws programmed in her system, why the fuck does she not know who God is? Right. You didn't have any indication of a God? Yeah. Like, if organized religion is illegal... If crucifixes are illegal, you should know pretty well who God is, especially if you're the one calling the shots as far as what's illegal and what's not. Oh, and I got—I had to write down this scene. I, I can't really blame it on the budget, but in this scene where you find out that she's a robot, why not just have her prove it in some way? Like, I get you can't have like a Terminator 2 thing where she like degloves herself and shows the robot skeleton, but something like a barcode on the back of her neck, uh, put like a little like stick on like blinky light on her lower back or something i don't know anything but she just says oh guys no i'm not a vampire i'm a robot and they just accept it <laughs> it's 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 the most bizarre tra- and they're like oh okay that makes sense speak of stupid decisions that make no sense they decide their best course of action in order to kill dracula is to fl- <laughs> they need to redirect the ship so that it flies into the fucking sun a place with two sons. Oh, yes. yeah, 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 two sons. The twin sons of Albron. You wrote it down. All right. I knew it started with an H. Thanks, Zip. So Ooh. a couple problems. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I really need to address them because <laughs> I, I think the idea of flying into the sun would seem like a bad idea for most people. Because, yeah, again, they established that sunlight hurts vampires, which, again, I get. But Spaceship has absolutely no windows whatsoever shouldn't the vamp well again even if it does how would their plan work like either the ship has no windows whatsoever and the vampire has nothing to worry about until it actually collides into the sun which again is counterintuitive for their point because they want to kill dracula but also survive well because that's the thing is that like i said i mean it's an hour and 20 minutes long we're at the hour and five minute mark right now and not only are they still revealing (laughs) exposition 15 minutes before the movie ends like at this point i just like all i heard was oh we'll fly it near the sun and that will kill the vampires and i said you know what good done keep going (laughs) this is a brilliant plan never once did i hear anything about it actually going directly into the sun or suns or whatever And, and they, I guess they decide, because they've also established the pool cues as being a lethal weapon to vampires now, they just decide it's the only thing in the ship that must still be made out of real wood, organic wood. In 2950, pool cues were still made out of actual wood. <laughs> so, 50 years right. difference. That was almost the line verbatim that he said <laughs> to excuse the fact that they were using it. And again, we got to reiterate, approximately 50 years ago, weed was illegal, religion was legal, and pool cues were made out of wood. We literally have two characters go off to look for pool cues exclusively. And they look through the lockers and they find them. You know, lockers where everybody keeps their pool cues. (laughs) 
Because they wouldn't be in the rec room where the pool table is. That's where the lockers are, in the rec room. Right, that's right. If it's not in a hallway, it's in the fucking rec room. That was the one of four rooms they had to shoot in. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, the two characters looking for them are Aurora and Van Helsing, who I guess they're just having this tiff while they're opening coffins up with their pool cues in hand, looking for vampires to stab. Why would they be in coffins that are already shut? They're only looking for one vampire who is out already. Why the fuck would he be in a coffin that is nailed shut? From the outside. Why? Yes. And they keep (laughs) opening coffins. And also, did you notice that when a vampire exits a coffin on its own volition, you'd see like a fucking coffin explode? Yes. But I think that two times, at least two times that it happens, both of them, it's Dracula. And so every time that it happens, every single fucking time that it happens, it's like he, he goes like to look for survivors, and then I guess he gives up. He gets a little winded. He gets a little tuckered out. And so he gets back in his coffin again, nails it back shut again somehow from the outside, and then just waits about <laughs> five minutes to recharge. This guy's got the battery power of my fucking iPhone. I, I don't I don't know how and why he keeps going about this. Again, just for the sake of maybe a cheap scare, but it's not even scary. Well, 50 years ago, they did uh, put battery chargers in pockets. <laughs> because, that, you know, he, he, Tiny Lister earlier on said, this is how they used to deal with dead people. <laughs> 50 years ago. In 2950. I like how because 50 years ago has become the new because Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas! <laughs> they open one coffin and they find Mina, who's been gone this entire time after she got taken by 187. And why does she look different? Mm-hmm. That was my question! Why does she look completely different? Because the boys, when they transform, they don't look any different except for the red eyes and the fangs. But Mina, all of a sudden, has on makeup and her hair is completely different. She's wearing the Party City Vampire costume. Like... (laughs) Right. Did she have streaks in her hair before she got turned as well? Because I I don't remember seeing those. No. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess they're just trying to go with the whole Bride of Dracula thing. Like, he turns them into his wives. I guess. I don't know. They see her. She's asleep and they just drive the stake through her heart, the pool stick, and then she just dies. She gasps and then she stops moving. Supposedly. (laughs) Because then Dracula appears and and Aurora, because she's Aurora, she runs away to get help. Van Helsing and Orlok have like the standoff in this fight. It's like, hey, I'm Van Helsing. And then at first... Warlock acts like he doesn't know that it was Van Helsing. So I guess this isn't a revenge story. And then he starts saying things like he did know he was. This is the supposed standoff between like your supposed protagonist and your supposed antagonist. Like the good versus evil thing. The Van Helsing versus Dracula. That, that, that's that age old dynamic. It's the worst exchange. We learn nothing. There's no development. There's no aggression in terms of the dialogue. There's nothing. There's nothing there. And as we later find out, nothing comes to the standoff. It's just a shitty subversion. So yeah, they fight, and it cuts away to Humvee and the professor hanging out in their room together. Aurora's there. She's banging on the door saying, help, let me in. They're saying, no, I'm not falling for that shit again. Why can't Aurora just do it herself? She's a fucking robot. Aurora, I guess, gives up on that. So she runs off again. She grabs a crucifix, and then she, I guess, starts heading back to regroup. Professor, meanwhile, is panicking. I guess he's just losing his mind because he's having a panic attack, basically. Which begs the question, because eventually... Humvee splits two to go after them to find out, you know, if, if Van Helsing's okay. You know, leaving the professor behind. The professor, again, arguably the most scared person on this crew, 
he chooses to leave the most secure room on the entire ship. I was about to ask, how did he leave that room? Right. Right. And does he even have a gun with him? No, he used all the bullets. If he did, anyway. Good point. So what what, what was he doing? Like, what was he hoping to accomplish? Why would you leave, if you were unstable and not handling the situation, why would you leave the room <laughs> that you were most safest in? He was lonely. <laughs> He's in the hallway, rolling around like you do. And he runs into Orlok, you know, because of course he fucking does. And he surrenders himself to him because Orlok offers to help him walk again. And I, I, I kind of laugh at this part in spite of myself because it's just Dracula like reaching out to him while Professor reaches back out and he's saying, you know, come, stand up. And it, it reminded me, did you guys ever see that Kanye West concert clip on YouTube where he tells the person in the wheelchair in his audience to stand up that, and that he has the power to do it? I did it. No. It's a thing. It's it's on YouTube. I laughed at this part because of that. So, hey. <laughs> I'll tell you something, though. When the professor cries, I I was moved by that. That okay. was, I, there was a, there was real emotion happening there. Like he knew what he was, that he was losing. Mm. So, I mean, I liked the, the tear. It, that felt real to me. I, so I have, I have been terrified of asking this question, Adina, but, did you have a hobo in a barn for this movie? Oh, yes. Did I w- did. Did you want to wait till but later the, or did you want to talk about it? But the moment isn't here yet. Okay, okay. We'll wait. We've we'll already wait. talked about my hobo, but it's the moment coming up where that character becomes my hobo in a barn. Okay. I I feel like I should have had like a bottle of liquor on hand, but... Audra, do you know what a, what a hobo in a barn is? Nope. It's uh, Adina... <laughs> That whole conversation was weird, but I was going with it. Yeah, so so the, uh, the long and short is that Adina picks an MVP each episode from the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 I, and it all started with... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it all started with a movie that we watched that there was a character who was, in fact, a hobo who lived in a barn, and that was Adina's favorite character. we just decided to give that label to her favorite character for each subsequent film yes fair okay yeah and and as we've established just now from her confirming that she has a hobo in a barn adina apparently picks a hobo in a barn for every movie (laughs) there there must apparently be a hobo per movie isn't that the rule I, hey, it's your it's your rule. <laughs> I was say, what what what's the criteria usually for you with hobo in a barn? Usually that it can't be a main character. Sure. And it has to have like some kernel of truth to the plot or the you know the movie or whatever that maybe. So, but there there's a specific reason why this particular character became my hobo. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, because yes, we will. This scene wraps before he can quote unquote stand up with the power of kind. I mean, excuse me, Orlock. Um, Orlock hears a noise and then he just splits before he can turn him. So remember that. So the professor cries. Yes, yes, he cries and yeah, he's he's by himself again still. Yeah. So Aurora and Humphy they regroup and they find Van Helsing now crawling, bloodied. He's in the coffin room and they check on him and it reveals that he's been turned. Subversion. <laughs> and and they fight. I wrote down for the scene. There's no impressive stunts whatsoever with this exchange. It's, <laughs> it's, it's trash. And it's terrible during, during the ruckus between, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure this happens. Same with one eight seven versus Humvee because tiny Lister's a big guy. They just had the actor Casper Van Dien who played Van Helsing just 
jump, jump on him. Just yeah, just just jump and hug him. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly right. In the meantime, Aurora, she's like, "Oh shit, I need like a weapon." So she goes over to where Mina's corpse is, and then she pulls the pool cue out, <laughs> and then you see, like, again, supposedly <laughs> she was dead, killed by like stick to the heart, but I guess not because she just reacts to it. Mina's character, so. She, and this is when Mina became my hobo in a bar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck it, fuck. Because, because in that moment, she reminded me of Paul Rubens dying in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thanks, Jack. That's nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So... But let's be clear too. Mina, throughout this whole film, has really been the the uh, the truth teller throughout the whole thing, right? We should get the fuck out. I don't feel good about this. This shit is dumb. Because I think she was the only person who knew what movie she was in. The only one. She was the only one. And so when that pool cue got taken out of her, her reaction, I was like, holy shit! This is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> so, she is my hobo in a barn. Yay, Mina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I stand I stand by my answer, Jack. <laughs> so. Well. Yep. I'm getting drunk tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but then she dies again cuz they actually stab her again. So, again, that's but... not that's not the mythology of how vampires work. I, I just I, I gotta I gotta just make sure that like I understand th- your your answer here. The the <laughs> the I'm not dead yet character is your hobo in a barn because they had a piece of wood pulled out of them. <laughs> right. And they reacted to it. Yes. Hey, maybe no one ever actually tested the theory of if wood goes through the heart they die, but what if you take the wood out? Right. Thank you. They come right. back to life? Did they not remove it from 187? They took it out of Mina, so then she reanimated somehow, because that's the mythology for this movie, that if you stake a, a vampire and don't leave it in, they yeah. can come back to life. I, I, yeah, I, they, I, did, they didn't take the one out of 187, because that's no. why they had to look for another pool cue. Okay, right. and, and I understand that, and I, and I, I, I know the answer to this, but... If that's the case, if vampires can be basically reanimate once they're unstaked, as it as it were, why hasn't Dracula just gone to 187's corpse and pulled the stake out of him? Because the script doesn't say that. <laughs> Jack. Okay. Well, he doesn't oh. need what the to. Fuck? He, he doesn't need to. He needs to feed. He doesn't need more minions. But strength in numbers. Jack, you're missing the point. I just wanted something that made sense. <laughs> he's got, he's got Mina locked in a box. I mean, what else do you need? What? Why are you trying to find meaning? Because Stop. I want, I just, all I want, like, I don't need to, I don't, at this point, I've given up on, like, a well-written movie. That's not what this is. That's not what none of our, any of our movies are. But all I wanted was, like, them to establish something with this that they actually do again. Like, I want one rule that actually gets. No, Jack. It's. <laughs> Speaking of, they, they take the pool cue that they've pulled out of Mina and they stab Van Helsing and that kills him in a, the most anticlimactic way. Again, like this is like what it's set up to be your main character. And again, I get that it's doing a subversion of expectations, but that leaves a complete void as far as who takes the place of the main character now. Right. Mina shows up behind Aurora 
and bites her neck. And it makes you wonder, wait, why? Because Dracula didn't, because he could identify her as being a robot. So why did Mina do the opposite? Do you see what I'm saying? Because she's the dumb intern. Oh, okay. (laughs) She's the navigator who doesn't know where she's going. Right. This plot doesn't know where it's going. (laughs) She wasn't there to hear the part that Aurora's a robot. It, It does nothing, which again, it shows that Aurora's character has no reason to run away from any threat in this movie yet she still does right every time she's about as like hands-on as dr claw from the inspector gadget show <laughs> i'll get you next time gadget. <laughs> 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 humphy then re-impales mina with another pool cue and i love this part because she's standing up against a concrete fucking pillar and he impales her with a pool stick and she stays pinned to the fucking <laughs> concrete wall now, let's just go ahead and suspend our disbelief to say that Humvee is very strong. I'm cool with that. Fine. He's able to hold off vampires with superhuman strength. Sure. But a pool cue somehow got embedded, in, which we've established it's a normal wooden pool cue, into a fucking concrete wall. Huh? <laughs> Wait, why is there a concrete wall on a spaceship? <laughs> because they shot this in a factory. <laughs> no, I get that, but still... <laughs> Yeah, I don't, yeah. Well, Why start it, making sense now, Zip? We only have Tom, ten minutes of the movie left. Ten minutes? <laughs> Guys, stop! Please stop picking on Zip because he actually has a good point. Zip, uh, I actually know the answer to that. Uh, Fifty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs> so okay, so I guess it's Humphy and Aurora are left. They they're they're walking around the ship and they find the professor who's just sitting with his back to them in his chair still. And they go up to him. You know what, Adina, you want to take this one? Why isn't he standing? If he has been turned and he is whole, why isn't he standing up out of his chair? What the fuck? Then the audience would know he's a vampire. There'd be no tension, Adina. Fuck you. They find him sitting down as Humvee's about to touch him. Aurora says, wait. Then she grabs a crucifix and just fucking stabs him in the the back of the neck. (laughs) Humvee says, how did you know he was a vampire? And then Aurora just says, I didn't. <laughs> Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> That's the most lazy writing. You're establishing that you have no reason. Again, and to your point, Adina, a perfect thing would be if he had stood up. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, Why didn't I mean, he stand up? Hell, if nothing else, if, if you're going to have this fight scene, have that instead of the one with Van Helsing. Honestly, right. if that man is able to shed a tear, you should have let him stand. Exactly. Thank you, Audra. It's like, <laughs> yes. would you say that that Professor has the closest thing to an arc in this movie? Because for a while, yeah. like, you know, there's so many times where they're, they're traversing the ship and it's like, oh, wait, he can't go downstairs because he's in a wheelchair and he's bummed about it. And they make jokes about it at his expense. And, you know, he has that scene where he cries in front of Dracula because he wants to walk again. And all of this. You could have that pay off so much more if you have him at least validated by becoming a vampire who could at least accomplish what he wants. Right. And that, he dies. That would be a good subversion. Yeah. I, I, I struggle to see why that never came up in the writer's room. Oh, there was no room. There was <laughs> a writer. The fact that you are still trying to figure, I mean, just and, stop. And, and this is when it became eminently clear that this guy has no idea how to end a film. 
Oh, well. <laughs> or, a, or even a story. What little there is. Yeah, because well, because we have our big bad obviously left, and we just know that because the coffin explodes. Sidebar: We established in the v- vlogs that the crew was infected. What happened to them? Yeah, where are the other dead bodies? Like you, you think they'd be in the coffins, but how come they aren't showing up? Well, but that's the thing. Are they all they're sand. They disintegrated. disintegrated. Yeah. yeah. They but, all disintegrated. But so they brought back they brought back Orlock by dripping blood on him. But again, like this comes back to earlier, like if their plan is to go back to Earth and essentially take over, I assume. And I assume that Dracula wants to repopulate it with his own planet because his he's the last of his kind. Why wouldn't he want to create more followers and then basically take them back to Earth in order to populate? Well, that's what he was doing with Mina. Right. That's why she was in the coffin. And here's the thing. I don't think he was in the coffins. I think he was roaming the ship. I don't think he goes in the coffins. Then what happens to the sand that makes... One of the coffins opened on its own, so what came out? It was implied that was ordered. Right, but I don't think... I I really... I I think that was bullshit, and I I think that was dumb writing. Oh, the whole fucking thing is bullshit. (laughs) So, right. But to me, because we see this shadowy figure from the start... I don't think he ever goes into a coffin. And again, if it weren't for seeing the sand move in that earlier scene, I would completely agree with you. Right. And they worked in that scene. Like, that scene is digitally done, so there's time and effort put into that simple effect. But, again, just cut that out. And you have somewhat of a more cohesive story. Not much, but something. Yeah, but they had the effect, so they needed to use it. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, Yeah, so, so the coffin explodes, and they're like, oh, shit, you know, it's Orlock. He's coming after us. And they're running away, and they see him, and he, Dracula, he tries to get them by reaching through the door, and they pin it like in The Matrix Reloaded. And they're like, oh, no, quick, shut it, shut it, shut it. <laughs> Again, Humvee, I guess he, he, this dude's strong because he pushes the door closed so hard that the, the vampire's arm pops clean off. Like That made me <laughs> laugh. Yeah, oh, right. it's funny. That made me laugh when his hand fell off. What made me laugh harder was the aftermath of seeing the actor... Re- react <laughs> he was crying oh man he was crying he was crying slabs of ham dude i loved it that's the last time you even see dracula you don't right. even see him die nope, nope that's nope. it that's yeah it. are we are we showing that he is dying because he's lost an arm like do vampires bleed out again i would understand if that shot was introduced as they were like getting closer towards the sun because they do that in like a few more minutes so if they showed that shot and it's like, okay, and then maybe do like a fade to yellow or some shit like that, that would make sense. But no, right. no, no. We now cut to back to, I guess, the cockpit where we see Humvee now at the computer and I guess reprogramming the destination. Yeah, so somehow Humvee now knows computer science enough to know how to reroute their, their course. Yes, the brawn knows how to do brain things. Even though they've established throughout the movie that he doesn't know how to do things. <laughs> He tries changing the flight plan so that they get close enough to the sun to kill Orlock, but not enough to die. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, uh, I can't. It, it's the most casual, blase conversation. He's like, I can't, can't figure it out, man. I just, you know, I guess, you know, we're, we're going to plummet into the sun in about 12 hours. He even says to Aurora, he says, don't you know how to pilot this thing? Can't you pilot this thing? And she, her response is, I'm not the bionic woman. So, circling back. But she is. Well, yes. But also, she knows what the bionic woman is. 
but, but she, she doesn't, doesn't know, know what God, God is. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, the reboot was canceled in 2950. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they just accept both of them just casually that they're going to plunge into the nearest sun in 12 hours time. And that's where Aurora zip. Is this where you lost it? Cause you haven't talked about that scene yet. Is this it? Yes. Cause we literally have two scenes left. It's going to be one. Right. <laughs> This yeah. is where we all lost my, it, Jack. Let, let's unpack. So who wants to take my, this one? My, my first one was actually when Van Helsing turned and then they killed him. Hmm. Because right. then I'm like, wait, what is the point of this movie? Especially, right. you know. And then I'm like, oh, well, if the original title was Van Helsing, Dracula's Revenge, I guess he got it. I know. <laughs> the, the villain won an hour in. But yeah, so that was the first one, and then and then this is where it really ramped up. Yeah, it's just Aurora and Humvee sitting there. Uh, they know they've got twelve hours uh, left, and then Aurora reveals that before she was turned into a narc uh, police robot. Um, <laughs> that. Before that, she was actually a pleasure bot. And so, oh, I see Adina's face building up right now. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so she used to be a pleasure bot. And so with that being the case, how else are they going to spend the 12 hours than, you know, doing it? And so Humvee's like, you don't have to tell me twice. And then... Picks her up, throws her over his shoulder, literally, and they walk out of frame. Then we cut to the image of the spaceship (laughs) flying towards the sun, and then it explodes. Wait, it's the, the old captain talking about the video blog, and then the thing explodes. Okay. Right. He must sacrifice himself and the ship before it reaches Earth, even though he never did that. Okay, and, but well, this no, because the very first one that we saw was that the self the self destruct timer was going down and then stopped. Right. Right. So, but here so, during this scene, it looked mm-hmm. like he was successful. Right. So if he was successful in blowing up the spaceship in twenty nine fifty, how the fuck did this whole movie happen? <laughs> But that wasn't it. That was just the voiceover. It crashed into the sun, apparently. Also, it didn't take 12 hours. Really, really bad storytelling (laughs) because by using the voiceover completely out of context as well as out of chronological order, it completely confuses everything that is happening in that exact moment. Thank you. And all the shots, by the way, because there are a couple of times like leading up to this, we see a couple of shots of the quote unquote suns that they're heading towards. And it's just like a distant lens flare. It's not even like an actual sun. And you have no change in distance. The, the size of the sun itself does not change at all. So every time it cuts the exterior of the ship, you just see the, the lens flare the same size. And you just see the ship explode the same distance it was in the last time that, it's, that we saw it. Mm-hmm. And also, sidebar, there's nothing to suggest that Dracula isn't still alive before the ship blows up. So that being right. said... What's stopping him from telekinetically rerouting the ship on his own? Because he's been shown to do that. So why doesn't he be like, wait, back to Earth, back to Earth, boom, 
Back to Earth. Because the guy who made this movie <laughs> doesn't know how to tell a story. He doesn't know how to end a story. Yeah, he doesn't no, know his ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah, and again, there's no mourning whatsoever. There's no remorse on the characters' faces as they accept their death. They're just like, oh, I could get laid. Cool. And she's like, well. No, it's, yeah, it's, hey, let's go fuck time. And he literally throws her over his shoulder. Caveman style. And, yeah, and walk out of frame. We hear the voice of the, the voice, the voiceover from the previous captain. And then the spaceship just explodes. Roll credits. And like, then. It just and then. Over. Audra. And then the post-credit scene. So did the ship blow up or not, bitches? That's what I'm saying. Either way, it doesn't make sense. Whichever ship blew up, whichever time it blew up. Let's talk about the post-credit scene. So who wants to tackle it? It's pretty dense. It's pretty complex. I think our guest should. Audra, you want you want to take us home? <laughs> I just love that it's a slap on the ass. <laughs> Literally how they ended that entire movie. That's it. Because it. it's it's almost like it was like an unused take of that previous scene, like the last scene, because it's just it's a shot of Humvee with her over his shoulder. And he just he, he slightly slaps her ass and he's like, that's what I'm talking about or something. Yep. Yeah. And that's the end of the fucking movie. Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break and be right back with some trivia. All right, we're back. So. Trivia-wise, uh, did anybody dig anything up in particular on this movie? Hey, yeah. yeah. What you got, Audra? <laughs> uh, found it interesting that both of the girls were also in Steven Seagal movies, <laughs> which are horrible. <laughs> well, now, hold on. Which one was Erica Eleniak in? I think she was in the Under Siege one. Yes. That one was actually pretty good. That was like his better end. Was that the second one, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory? I think. I think so. I know way too much about Steven Seagal <laughs> movies. Let's yeah. stop while we're ahead. That one, that one, I think was actually pretty good. That one was decent. Uh, I, I, I almost said, like to, to your point, the cast of this. I mean, for what it was, for the what the budget was, for the, as garbage as this was, I'm surprised they got the actors that they did. Because again, the performances, I don't think any of them are good at all, really. But the actors who are in this have done a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. And they're still working. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm trying to remember the name of the captain, the guy who like sat in his living room and recorded all of his all of his footage for this movie. <laughs> Udo Kier, who is a, a very well known character actor, who's been in he's in at least like 20 movies a year. And same with Tiny Lister, like he's done a ton of shit. Yeah. And Tiny was great. I really liked Tiny's performance in this. He, I mean, he... despite the facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of what happens at the end, but uh, I mean, just. I've seen him before, but I've never seen him have this much to do in a movie before. Right. And I yeah. thought he did, with what he had, he did a nice job. And, you know, obviously Casper Van Dien, people know him. And I guess he shot this in between the making of Starship Troopers 7 and 8. Yeah, <laughs> must have. Adina, did you have anything you had dug up? I did. Um, the director of this movie, uh, back in 1992... Directed Serafina, which was actually a really good movie starring Whoopi Goldberg. This guy's from South Africa, so it was a, basically a musical. It was really well reviewed and it was a pretty good movie. So, Erica Eleniak wrote a children's book. It's called What Would You Do 
if you lose your lullabaloo. <laughs> and, uh, and the guy who played the professor has been nominated for like three South African, like SAFTAs, like SAG after here. He's been nominated in 2017 and 2018. So he's actually allegedly a pretty good actor. Not in this movie. No. Uh, this is shot in one, South Africa. Well, he did cry. Yeah. Except for the crying, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. apart so, from yeah, that, I mean, he was but, the most know, annoying character to me. He really was. So, but the the one part of emotion that he showed, I I appreciated. So I I enjoyed his performance in Invictus. Yeah, this movie was apparently shot in South Africa. I had written right. down. You guys, anything else up? Um, I had just I had looked it up just because like when we when you had said this was the next movie we were going to be watching and i just assumed it was a follow-up to dracula 2000 <laughs> and i was completely wrong i had i looked it up dracula 2000 obviously came out in 2000 and then there are actual legitimate sequels to this movie instead of dracula 2000 or dracula 3000 or dracula 2001 2002 whatever the, the actual sequel to Dracula 2000 is just called Dracula 2 Ascension. Weird. And then there was another sequel called Dracula 3 Legacy. Now, Dracula 2000 was 2000. Dracula 2, 2003. Dracula 3, 2005. This movie came out in 2004 in between the two actual sequels. So, based on that, combined with the fact that the actual title in the film is not Dracula 3000, it sounds like whoever had the distribution rights for this movie jumped on the fact that the actual sequel was not called Dracula 3000 and snagged the name. That makes sense. It was weird that the the sequels, they just went, after Dracula 2000, just used the conventional two and three. Beyond what we've talked about, my last piece of trivia, because I, I couldn't find the budget of this movie. It's obviously, like, you know, not much. And it apparently was a TV movie, which is strange, because I was always under the impression that the movies on our list were theatrical releases in some capacity. So maybe it did come out to a couple places who knows but david oliver who writes for chud magazine he wrote a review and again every now and then i'll put a review quote up there if it just stands out and this one i loved he wrote to call this film shit is an insult to fragrant brown logs everywhere i i wrote down a review also dracula 3000 makes leprechaun 4 in space look like alien that's correct (laughs) wow yeah I, i cannot disagree with that next up we got best line worst line so who wants to start it off uh i'll go um the best line to me uh just because it completely summed up the entire scene we had just seen before it uh, was with uh, 187 and Humvee when they made it to the uh, the casket room and he decided to start busting open the caskets because obviously that's where the drugs are and uh, Humvee disagreed. Uh, this was uh, 187's response. Look, just because you don't treasure mind-bending substances the way I do 
doesn't give you the right to make fun of my lifestyle. <laughs> there could have been a way shorter punchline in there somewhere, but no, nope. <laughs> that's what we got. That's the only thing that I actually legitimately laughed at. Audra, do you have one? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it comes from, like, the very end of the movie, but I like to think of it out of context. After she tells him that she's a pleasure bot, he goes, Bingo! Must be in the front row! And I died. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best line. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine was from my hobo, but this was before she reanimated. Um, because she's an intern, unpaid, <laughs> if I die, this is definitely going to go down as the worst summer job I've ever had. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. My best line was more for meta purposes, but it's when <laughs> 187 and Humvee are grappling in the rec room, and they keep shooting 187, and I believe it's the professor who says, stop wasting bullets. <laughs> And they say it again, basically a couple seconds later. I'm like, yes, yes, thank you. They're not working. It's like, shoot harder. It's like, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> okay, worst line. For worst line, just because it was the, the beginning of the end for me. In the, the rec room, Van Helsing decides to release Aurora from her bonds. <clears throat> and Humvee asks, why do you want to do that? His response is, because she's a robot. <laughs> and it just, that was just like, uh, so many things went wrong in that one moment. And that's when I knew, like, oh, no, this is about to go horribly wrong. And it did. <laughs> How about you, Audra? Uh, I actually had two, and I cannot decide between them. Um, the first one was, I love Coolio, I'm just gonna put it out there. I love his music. Whatever. But, when he said, did I ever tell you, in the rec room, he's talking to Aurora, did I ever tell you how many times I see you and want to ejaculate all over your bazongas? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is, like, the beginning of the movie, and I had to take a hard pause break. <laughs> When um, our Van Helsing, who is white, looks at Tiny and says, I put up with your shit because you're big, black, and ugly. Ugh. What yeah. you got, Adina? This goes with Coolio when he is doing the rhyming bullshit that happens. Two, when I'm through, I'm going to pass you to the crew. Ugh. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. And I hate that Coolio was the one who was saying any of it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that that just... Ugh. I might be cheating then a little bit. My my worst line was the entire Celtic exchange. That was the point where I was like, again, I'm still surprised that wasn't like where Zip, you didn't lose your mind the first time on Facebook. Because you know, I'll read it because fuck I it. I honestly don't even remember this part. So You blacked it out. It's fine. It's, it's I gone. probably did. <laughs> so, so, so Coolio says, one, and he's saying this to Aurora. He says, one... Bet you that pussy is sweeter than a honey bun. And then he says, two, when I'm through, I'm going to pass you to the crew. Three, you might as well get down on your knees, which this is when Aurora responds. This is where I'm like, okay, okay, stop. She says, four, you're going to end up dead on the floor. And I wrote down, 
this is the part where she like would have been a good point for her to be like, all right, fuck it. I'm unloading on this motherfucker. Right. But she doesn't. Yeah. Instead, it's just like, pause. He gets mad. And then he just goes, five. Ain't none of y'all bitches getting out of here alive. And like, as soon as he said five, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that whole exchange was horrifying. <laughs> All right, moving on to Would You Rather, where, again, just to catch you all up, this is where we describe the thing that we would like to do just slightly more than watch this movie again. (laughs) This was the first movie since we've started doing this that I actually thought of a response before we recorded. So I would like to go first. (laughs) Fire. I would rather watch... After last season, once a week, for the rest of my life, rather than watch this movie again. So nothing changes? (laughs) Yeah. That is how much I don't ever want to see this movie. For me, rather than watch this movie again, I'd I'd rather stare at the sun for a little while. (laughs) For me... uh... If, if you're familiar with Tenacious D, they did a bit where they, they do LSD out in the desert. And um, Kyle gives birth to a, a butt baby. <laughs> I would rather give birth to a butt baby. Then watch this movie again. <laughs> oh, Zip. Zip, you you win the pandemic. Without the LSD. <laughs> you, oh, God, you've won. You won. You won COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Oh. Exactly. Yes. Audra, follow I... that. <laughs> I would rather stick my hand into a sink full of water to grab a dirty dish only to come back with wet noodles and slimy peanut butter than no. watch this movie again. <laughs> no, that's pretty bad. That's, that's pretty gross. Bad. That's rough. That's, that's terrible. Gross. Now for a more difficult question. What, what did they do right? I, I can answer that. I'm not usually surprised by movies, and I was surprised that they turned... Van Helsing. I thought, okay, um, I'm going to give you props for that, and I'm still going... It subverted our expectations. Right, exactly. So, you know, you don't expect that to happen. Um, They didn't do it very well, but they did it. And then I'm still going with, I felt real emotion from the professor when he cried. I I would say probably for me, uh, there's a caveat because of, like, how little attention went into the set design and the set decoration of the interior stuff of the ship. But I did appreciate that the outside exterior shots didn't reflect the budget of the inside of the, of the ship. It may have been a pre-rendered thing they just paid for that was rights free, but for what it was, you know, again, based on the budget, this movie otherwise purports to have, it could have been a lot worse, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, It, it, it was fairly well done. It did, yeah, it did give me a little bit of hope at the beginning. It didn't look like a cheesy model on fishing lure that was right. being, you know. But it also didn't. It, it also didn't look like cheesy CGI either. 
I honestly can't think of anything else. (laughs) (laughs) For me, honestly, one of the, the things they got right was casting Coolio, because once he changes into the vampire... He's living his best life. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> when you watch he it is. and think about like him being the Renfield character, like it gives it honestly way more depth than you think it would. That's a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up because I never even once considered me either him being the Renfield character, even though he sat there and said master. Yeah. And that so never even missed. dawned on me. But right. yeah, yeah. I, I agree. But I also agree that like once he becomes a vampire, he is just letting it loose yeah. and having so much fun with it. Like fully committed to what he's saying, however Absolutely. crude it is. Yeah, I think we're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Time to now give this movie a rating. Oh, on the, <laughs> on the cinematic uh, butt baby meter? <laughs> Please don't make me edit that into a sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) On the flaming cinematic turd meter. Yeah, there's, mm, wow. Maybe uh, I'd gotten to see Aurora's boobs. I would feel a little differently. (laughs) Zip. They didn't even go that route. So, I mean, what else is there to say? This movie is an atrocious piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm telling you, this one, it's a full out five. Okay, that's it. I'm wow. Done. First five of season two, folks. There you go. Thanks, Audra, for being with us. Yeah, Yay. thank you, Audra. Thanks for having me. Uh, speaking of, Adina, did you have anything that you wanted to plug? Oh, You had some right. news. Yeah, I do. Um... I, I'm part of a Netflix series called Sweet Magnolias. I'm in the second episode. I have a first and a last name. My scene is pivotal to the episode. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's, I think it's going to be really neat. And uh, if people like it and watch it and it gets another season, I might get to come back. Hey. Sweet Magnolias. Check it out. All right. And that's it for this episode of It Came From The Bottom. Once again, Otter, thank you for your time Yay! today. Thank you. That's another episode for It Came From The Bottom, once again brought to you by Head Games Entertainment, your ultimate source for digital series, podcasts, and more. Once again, I'm Jack. I'm Zip. And I'm Adina. Next time, Five The Hard Way. What? I'd never heard of it either. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think it's like an MST3K movie. It's called uh, The Side Hackers. Oh, Side Hackers! <laughs> <laughs>